Okay, motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Hello, and welcome to the Imprint Companion, the companion podcast to Imprint Films. On this episode, we're going to be looking at the second half of the December 2023 batch from Imprint Films. This includes King of the Gypsies, Lenny, Islands in the Stream, and a humongous film focus box set, Marlon Brando Volume 1. My name is Alexi Toliopoulos, and don't you worry, dear listener, I am not the only voice you'll be hearing on this podcast. It will not be me screaming into the void about discs, Blu-rays, and the special features that go alongside the films on each of these movies. I instead will be held in companion with a dear friend of mine, Mr. Blake Howard. Mr. Blake Howard, how are you today? Oh, Alexi, I'm I'm brilliant. And I could listen to you scream into the void about discs and the special features on them every day. So I'm just so happy to be here. And I also am loving what we discovered last year, film focus box sets from Imprint, which I can't wait to talk to you about because there's so many cool actors that are getting um, getting their just desserts on there. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, just desserts. About- I think there's a few main courses <laughs> in this one, mate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so um, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's feast on the main course. Let's feast on the main course of this, which is Film Focus, Marlon Brando. There's six amazing films in this box set. Sayonara, The Fugitive Kind, also directed by Sun Lumet, One-Eyed Jacks, The Ugly American, Bedtime Story, and A Countess from Hong Kong. Lex, I saw two of the films in this box set in preparation for our discussion. So let's kick off with one of those. Maybe do we want to do you want to jump to the non-Lumet one? I know that you saw like three or four in this bad boy. Yeah, I, I there was one that I caught up with again, and there's a few films I have seen before because my gateway into cinema was kind of Marlon Brando focused back in my teenage years. So I've seen a lot of these movies before, and there's a few in here that I'm really curious about that I I'm nervous to watch. I've not been able to bring <laughs> myself to watch a couple of these movies, but Maybe it's a couple of years since I've last seen it. I'd love to hear your thoughts as a bridging episode, a bridge between our two episodes. We talked about the City Lumet box set last week on the Imprint Companion. I'd love to hear your thoughts on City Lumet's collaboration with Marlon Brando, the fugitive kind. Come here. Come here. Here. Come here. See that? There wasn't no bed in here when I came to work here. It was there. No, there wasn't no bed. There was no bed the day before yesterday. You put it there. It was there. Folded behind the mirror. Folded behind the mirror? Yes. No, no, no. You're lying. You're lying, and I see through you, lady. I see through you. Why, you see? You like me to tell you? I'd love for you to. 
I see a not so young, not so satisfied woman who hires a guy in off the highway to do double duty without even giving him overtime for it. Being a store clerk by day and by night, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's a Tennessee Williams play adaption from his film Orpheus Descending. And you said something in our last episode on Sidney Lumet, which is that you can tell the because of his origins in the teleplays and live theater on television that you can almost tell he's almost got a shorthand as a filmmaker for the things that are plays. Um, and The Fugitive Kind, if it wasn't for a kind of magnificent couple of performances from Marlon Brando and Joanne Woodward. This would be one of the least interesting Sidney Lumet directed movies that I think I've ever seen. It feels, really? it feels its age at 1960. Mm. I, I, I don't know. I, I think their performances are absolutely magnetic. Um, it's, it's, it's Tennessee Williams. So it's kind of like a sacred, a sacred text when it comes to adaptions. Um, I really enjoyed it. But I, 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 I had, whereas some of the other films I found, there were moments and gateways into them that I really enjoyed um, as far as the cinematic storytelling. In this one, I felt it was the most that felt like a teleplay um, of the recent batch of Lumets. But, I mean, it's Marlon Brando. This is ultimately a box set that's about Marlon Brando's incredible work. And this is him in 1960 maybe in the early peak of his career, like he was just redefining cinematic acting. So even when, you know, there's a grating, weird kind of like leaping out of the stereo sound voice coming from him as a judge from the background, Marlon Brando was just performing the house down. And, uh, mm. and, and so every single second that he's on screen, you're finding it more interesting to look at him. And I think that that probably serves it with the like limited filmmaking, but yeah, it felt very closed. I don't know. That's, that was my opinion of this in comparison to the other movie that I checked out in this box set, um, it, you know, which is, you know, Brando directed, um, mm -hmm. it felt, this felt very, uh, I don't know, kind of small and contained and a little bit claustrophobic. And I kind of wanted something else. We wanted something more from it perhaps. I, th I think that's an interesting call. And I would say that, um, you know, Brando and Tennessee Williams, it's a great pairing. Good pairing. And it's always worth watching for those two. It's been a few since I've seen this, but I remember quite liking it. But your thoughts have made me want to re-watch it to kind of reconsider it. I think let's save the other one that we've both seen till last in this box yes. set. I'm going to run you through the rest of these movies because they are all 
fascinating. I think these uh, <laughs> these focus box sets um, are kind of interesting because they're kind of a mixed bag. Yes. But to me, this Brando one is the most fascinating one because his career is so hard to pin down outside of the big hitters. And there are some fascinating things in here. I'll tell you what they are. Have you ever seen or heard of Bedtime Story? Never. I have seen Bedtime Story um, because it was remade a few times. Uh, into Dirty into, Rotten Scoundrels. Into Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. So it is David Niven in the Michael Caine role, and it is Marlon Brando in no the Steve Martin role. And I'll tell you this, it is direct remake scene for scene remake these two movies but dirty rotten scandals is a classic for a reason bedtime story is not remembered for another reason Marlon brando wow. is not quite funny enough to be in a broad comedy you can't like be ruprecht if you're not he's funny he's, he's doing ruprecht he pretty much does ruprecht, i am watching so... this fucking movie tonight oh my <laughs> god it is it's it's not a favorite of mine. I remember Cameron and I did it on Total Reboot many years ago. Oh, my God. Because we wanted to talk about The Hustle. We wanted to talk about um, Bedtime Dirty Story. Scandals. And, of course, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, but Bedtime Story, it's it's a weird one. It's it's. I'm very David glad. David Niven to Michael Caine feels like it would make sense. David Niven's yeah, a funny guy. Yeah, it makes guy. sense. Yeah. yeah, it makes sense. He's funny. He's, I mean, you know, Michael Caine looks like David Niven in that in the <laughs> remake. Um, it's just a weird movie. Let me go back to my thoughts from it. Here's my letterbox entry from it back in the day. An argument against the age-old saying of comedy lives in the wide shot. No pace <laughs> and no energy to gather laughs up. Brando is so weird here that I don't even think it's interesting. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So cool. that is bedtime story, and I do a think curio. you should watch it. I'm going it to watch it. Absolute curio. There's another movie in here that I've not seen. And I don't know anything about the Ugly American, a compassionate I... American ambassador to the strife-torn Southeast Asian nation of Sarkhan, is met with suspicion from the locals as he tries to keep the communists in the north from overrunning the weakened democracy in the south. This sounds like the prototypical forgotten Marlon Brando movie. He made a lot of movies oh, yeah. that have similar premises to this. Um, so, and even one of them was an imprint release. It's called Burn or Kimara, uh, which is yeah. excellent, which yeah. is actually an excellent movie because he was really phenomenal in it. Yes. I will go back and I'll watch that one for sure. Um, Sayonara is an interesting one. I tell you how I know about this and how I saw it. I saw this when I was maybe like 13 or 14 years old. I remember it seeing like some documentary of like an e like an e news documentary or whatever like <laughs> e on like the entertainment channel or whatever <laughs> and it was about red buttons and how he won an oscar for this movie sayonara and i remember tracking it and watching it at 13 years old and i don't know it's it's okay it's okay i haven't watched it again yet but i always found it interesting that red buttons was a comedian that did a serious movie and won an oscar for it and it's always been in my head for that How do you do and welcome? My name is Miko Taka. I have been asked to tell you about a motion picture called Sayonara. 
Sayonara was photographed on actual location in Japan. The word Sayonara means goodbye, and yet it means so much more, as you'll discover when you see this entirely different motion picture. It stars Marlon Brando, Patricia Owens, Red Buttons, Miyoshi Umeki, James Garner, Ricardo Montalban, and many others, including myself, Miko Taka. With your permission, I would like to present a few scenes from Sayonara. It's basically an Air Force major who falls in love with a Japanese actress while stationed, finds herself having to contend with a cruel military policy and all but general bias against their interracial relationship. So it's kind of interesting. It's been in my head for a long time. I didn't get a chance to rewatch it, but I'll tell you the other one that I haven't seen. And I think it's like the curio that sells the box set, apart from the one we're saving at the end. Oh my it God. I just started looking it up directed by one of the all-time greats and it is the final film from this filmmaker it's a movie called a countess from hong kong directed by charlie chaplin starring marlon brando and sophia loren i've read about this movie for a long his time his only and- film ever in color from Hong Kong was first announced, representatives of over 250 newspapers, magazines, wire services, TV and radio networks from virtually every country in the world crowded into the first press conference. Hundreds more covered the shooting. And the result? Typical are magazines like Life. Continental publications, a whirlwind of magazine covers, interviews, stories, of which the barest minimum is shown here. I think that he's in it as well. He's in it. Um, I don't, it's one that I've been very curious for for a long time because i can't even imagine it in hong kong the ambassador returning to america meets a refugee russian countess without a passport and decides to hide her in his cabin um marlon brando sophia (laughs) loren charlie chaplin to be a fly on the wall that's all i can really say and this this is a disc loaded with features yeah so I think it's the kind of thing that you would want from Imprint, which is a weird movie with a lot Love of context this. around it. You know so, what? Bedtime Story Counters from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. You had my curiosity. Now you absolutely have my fucking attention. Oh my God. Wow. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But let's get to the final film in this box set. It is a film that I've seen before, film that I absolutely love, mm. a film that was a pleasure to catch up with once again. It is the lone directing credit from Marlon Brando, One-Eyed Jack.
You'd seen this before as well, haven't you, Blake? Yeah, I've seen it before too. I watched it many years ago. Um, went on several big Western kicks in my Cinefold journey. And mm -hmm. this one popped up as mainly a curio for me is that it was Marlon Brando's lone directing credit. Um, and yeah, it's... I thought it was terrific back then when I watched it and I, I like it even more now, I think, I think mm. I'm more, I'm more ready. I'm more ready for it. Um, it's for, for vengeance and betrayal. And, um, uh, I love a father betraying a son in Westerns. There's so many Western morality tales mm. where a father betrays a son or a son betrays a father. And there's a sort of like vengeance coming back. And yeah. so, yeah, well, I that's the thing about this movie. That's so interesting. Cause they're not father and son. One but, of the characters names is dad. No, and but it's like, but it's, it's but it's that it's that relationship. Yeah. Even though it's like that, like, I think it's so like Freudian. It, it, it that's exactly what it is. It's like literalizing a Freudian relationship where he calls mm. him dad, but it's not. It's like a mentor betrayal. But yeah, that kind of like it's that play on it. And you're so spot on. That's what I probably like about it more is that yeah. it is like it actually literalizes the very Freudian thing. It's like no, we're not just going to say they're mentors. We're going to kind of even confuse the shit out of everyone and call him dad. Mm -hmm. So that he has this to guy's call him nickname dad. is dad. Yeah. People call him dad in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's a really I, I, it's a really fascinating film. And it's always one of those ones where, like, you know, Brando was such an actor, and I hadn't seen this movie for probably like 15 years, maybe even longer. Yeah. Um, I remember I had like a I lived near uh in like the same block as an underground filmmaker when i was a young kid getting into film there were a few films that he gave me and one-eyed jacks was one of them really? and uh, it was like a crappy dvd or maybe even been a vhs back then and i remember this movie and i think because i always think of marlon brando as like he's an actor and he never did another film i always thought well he must have been not interested in being a director but then going back to watching this you go oh my god he's such a perfectionist like this is such a beautifully told film and the acting across the board is fantastic you don't see performances like this like his in westerns you just don't see okay. it and of course it's known that stanley kubrick was originally attached to this movie before brando took over and he wanted Spencer Tracy in the dad role. And he didn't do it. Brand had already cast Carl Malden because they were buddies. And he wanted to make a movie with Carl Malden. And I think that Brando's like, he's striving for that kind of authenticity that he does in his method way that you just don't see it in Westerns. But beyond that, dare I say, this is one of the best looking Westerns Looks ever made. Amazing. Looks amazing. Looks amazing is the rarest example in fact it's the only one that comes to mind and i was thinking about it all day long the only ocean beach western yeah like the only one that you could even remotely classify as what is now called a neo-western is like there is a beach scene and there will be blood like that's mm. <laughs> about it there's not very mm -hmm. there's no there's no beach westerns no you're spot on and you see so much of like this kind of sweeping ocean, like it's such a backdrop for a lot of this movie and a lot of the soulfulness is kind of connected to the ocean in this movie. I think the poetics of it all, mm. it's very just, I think that this is a fantastic film. It's a flawed film for sure. It's a for flawed sure. film, but it's all the more interesting for it. Uh, I really love one eyed Jacks and 
I think it is. It's this is a really great release. I think I also owned the Criterion for this, but <laughs> this has more special features, more going for it. And I think it even has a newer scan. So someone out there in the world is going to be getting a Criterion <laughs> Christmas <laughs> present from me. It in is the it is from a it is from a 4K, like the brand new 4K mm. scan, this Blu-ray. And it does look sensational. Like even though it's not a 4K disc it looks mm. fantastic and what i would say mm. is also i just want to touch on what you were talking about with like the performances is like westerns characteristically especially at this time they're like big characters like the morality plays they're mm. big personalities it's about being big it's about big horses and big mustaches and big hats and big performances and so to see everyone completely downplay and like brando be so fastidious around everyone just having these idiosyncrasies and being low like on this same low frequency very good. And uh, yeah, definitely flawed. Not a like, maybe not like canonically one of the great Westerns of all time, but just because it's yes. fascinating, it's that's what makes it everything. Um, there's a new doco one here, which I didn't get a chance to watch yet, which is the making of the film with interviews and film historian Courtney C. Joyner, Henry Park, um, the producer, director, Michael Priest, and a Western film historian, Mike Malloy, and Western historian, Rob Ford, uh, sorry, uh, Rob Word that I didn't get to see, which is like an authentic death. And it's saying pursuing one-eyed jacks, um, which I'm really, really keen to see. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to check this out um, on this disc has a great um, other ones as well. Mike Siegel on the making of the film and um, some other things there. So um, I'm keen to check it out. Mm, absolutely. I mean, it's to me, this is the one that sells the box. Like it's a yeah. very great film if you want the curiosities, they're all in there. Bedtime Story counts from Hong Kong, Sayonara, Fugitive Kind, The Ugly American. They're, the curiosities are in there. But I think like a problem, let me cut, cut, I don't want to say problem. Yeah. But I think like a lot of these film focus, like actor focus box sets, it's a lot of like the interesting off cuts or B-sides or uh, like, you know, less iconic movies by some iconic actors. This is the one where I'm like, this is one of the, best Marlon Brando projects is One-Eyed Jacks. Yeah. And I, I think also the balance, like, and I say this sort of selfishly, but it was a smaller set. The Jennifer Connelly box set had a couple of really interesting performances in it, but it was only three films long. So it's like hard to like say like, what, what is the best? It's got like some things that are popular, some things that are critically acclaimed, et cetera. With Brando, because his career is so massive, like you've got mm. a Brando Tennessee Williams. If you can't have Streetcar, you've got a Fugitive Kind. So you've got his only directorial effort. You've got these amazing other curios that are in there. So it's like, it does seem to lead off with these big movies in here, which make it a kind of a central buy. And then mm. the curios are even more interesting. So I'm so actually disappointed in myself that I didn't notice that bedtime story was <laughs> remade into Jody Rotten Scoundrels and vice versa. Cause I've seen Jody Rotten Scoundrels about a hundred thousand times. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a countess from Hong Kong, no clue that it was a Chaplin movie. So I am, it's crazy. Color, color me, color me completely shocked and uh, excited to revisit those uh, along the way. Lex, I'm going to lead you off. We're going to go from a fantastic film focus box set on Brando to one of two of the final films here. Um, but I, I just want to quickly lead you off because you have seen one of these films in this upcoming set that I haven't. So can you tell the listeners about that one first? And then I want to lead you into the the final film we'll do of the day.
For thousands of years, they have lived as strangers among us, knowing us better than we know ourselves, believing in a God-given right to roam the world as if they owned it. Where's my diamond? <laughs> I don't know. It's another gypsy mystery. <laughs> Though they fight among themselves, together they stand against the world. And the only law is the word of one man. Jarko Stefanovic, King of the Gypsies. Amen. King of the Gypsies. A heritage passed from one generation to the next. You don't have to have a million dollars to live like a millionaire. Don't you understand, you see? From the moment of his birth, he is marked for greatness. You're a smart kid. Your old man is a fool. I know that. I'll give you a lesson you can use in your life. Get in here. Drive, drive, drive. Drive, smooth, smooth. You gotta go smooth. Hey, Dave, what are you running away for? Come back, boy, come back. Somebody's gotta take care of everybody. Not me, though. You old. Maybe he's gonna give the ring and the medallion to you. He was born to be a king. You're special. I bet you you could wrestle the devil for his hat. To fight. And to love. Don't make promises you can't keep. You'll break my heart. We live in a democracy. There are no kings. I just came here to make sure the man is dead. You made you king? I destroy my bad luck. I bury my bad luck. I break my bad luck. Break it. Break it. I want you to go tell the old man to take his ring and his medallion and give it to anybody with respect for what you are. His name is David, and now his time has come. Hey. King of the Gypsies. You're my strength. You're my hope. I want you home. Yes, I had a chance to watch The King of the Gypsies from Frank Pearson. In the criminal and violent world of modern-day gypsies based in New York City, their king, Jaco Stepanowicz, passes his leadership to his unwilling grandson, leaving the skipped father resentful. I had a very good time with this movie. Oh, yeah. It's got a really wonderful score, great music composed by David Grisman. It's a lot of like that kind of uh, early 20th century kind of like uh, gypsy style folk music, a lot of that. So a lot of like great fiddles, lots of great instrumentation. But what makes this film unique for me and interesting for me it is the acting debut of one Eric Roberts, an really? actor I very much love because he's an interesting, really interesting presence. He's a he's weird so unit. Young in this movie, he's a very weird unit. Um, <laughs> and I think that this is this is an interesting film. It's based on a book uh, that I'd heard about before, but it is 
it's like a New York crime film that has an epic scope, so you can't help but compare it to The Godfather, and nothing comes across well when you do that. Um, <laughs> but this one is interesting. Uh, like I said in the plot description, it is about the King of the Gypsies, who is like a man of power, um, played by Sterling Hayden, mm. uh, also from The Godfather. Also from The Godfather. And there's another actor from The Godfather in here, Michael Vigazzo, who is basically his rival in in their early days together. But when Sterling Hayden's character passes on, he gives the power to the King of the Gypsies. He bestows it upon his grandson, Eric Roberts, who had also... He'd left, he's left, he's disavowed. He wanted to have a different future than his, one his culture could permit him to have. And his father, played by Judd Hirsch... Wonderful actor, great wow. Judd Hirsch performance. Um, it's I, their dynamic is interesting because Judd Hirsch is like you know he should be the next in line, but he kind of gets skipped over, and it causes an, in, an incredible amount of conflict. Judd Hirsch's character tries to have his son killed. Whoa, and that's like a that's kind of deep into the movie, but I think that is like the selling point. Like that's to me something that's so interesting about like this kind of the dynamic that's happening in this film. And there's so much more that happens after, beyond that. But and I'll tell you this, who plays Eric Roberts' mother in this film? Very young Susan Sarandon. What? Yeah, Susan Sarandon, she's great in this. And also Brooke Shields plays uh, his younger sister as well. So it's a really great cast. And in particular, I'd say Eric Roberts is fantastic. Judd Hirsch is fantastic. I really love the performance by Susan Sarandon as well. Um, it's great. And I'd say there is one special feature on here that I really, really like. There's a great one with uh, an editor of the film, Paul Hirsch, but also... Trailers from Hell, Michael Schlesinger commentary on King of the Gypsies. Oh my He's God. a big fan of this film. Really? And he said that he met Paul, he, he met Frank Pearson a few times and he was just going like, yeah, I love King of the Gypsies. Like, you're the only one that loves it, man. <laughs> and he got him to sign a rare lobby card for the film. So it's a really great anecdote, lovely little um, special feature of uh, King of the Gypsies, Trailers from Hell. I love Trailers from Hell. This is a really good one. But this is an interesting movie. I think you would like it, Blake. You would like it a lot. I, I'm in. I'm in on that one. That sounds fantastic. Um, I I just didn't get a chance, as we said in the first episode of this December batch. Our cupeths overfloweth uh, at the end of the year, and so this is why we're coming to you close to Feb, um, recapping on everything December. Let's quickly dive to the final one. It's a Bob Fosse movie. It stars Dustin Hoffman. It's, I mean, Bob Fosse. That's a person that you need to be complete. On their entire filmography, I, well, this, it's only like four movies, so it's not that it's not one's hard. not too hard. It's not, it's not, not hard, but difficult. you need you need you. This is the if this is one that you're missing out on from one of the great movie years of all time. It's 1974's Lenny. Lenny Bruce. How do you people really feel about doing it? <laughs> Isn't that about? Dirtiest thing we could do to each other. He was a comic, a cynic, a satirist, a criminal, a genius. You don't have to applaud. Really, it's, it's really weird. It's enough that you're just listening. You know, it's so strange. I used to get fired for doing this. And like, now I'm getting a following, right? He was called funny, filthy, honest, obscene, brilliant, sick. Work clean, Lenny. Don't resort to using dirt. 
Time magazine called him the sickest of them all. Everybody's going to be warned about you. You're finished. Finished in show business. Oh, no, 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 not that, not that. <laughs> the New York Post called him a kind of prophet. No, man, I'm just a comic. You certainly have a great deal of social impact. <laughs> Ed Sullivan described him as dynamic and original. We all want for a wife a combination Sunday school teacher and $500 a night hooker. Hot honey, holla, let's hear everybody. Dorothy Kilgallen said he was a brilliant moral man. Don't you want to tell me about the Chinese chicken club? You didn't know I knew that, did you? I don't want to play this stupid game. Playboy called him the most controversial comic of our generation. I am totally corrupt. I mean, really. The Manhattan District Attorney said his act was an anthology of filth. Wow. Have you ever seen so much blue in all your life? I seem to be under a little pressure here tonight to cool my act. He was arrested numerous times for obscenity. Man, what is that? Makes you think you've got the right to say a word like that in a public place. I didn't do it, man. I just said it. I'm ready to find you guilty right now. Ladies and gentlemen, this man's under arrest. What, again? Oh, what the f- Mr. Bruce, you are making this very difficult. The point I'm trying to make is that we all live in a very hypocritical Mr. Bruce, society. you leave me no alternative but to find you in contempt of this court. Please, don't take away my words. Newsweek described his cause of death as an overdose of police. His obituary in Time magazine said he viewed life as a four-letter word. Dustin Hoffman, Lenny, a Bob Fosse film. All right. Lenny is the story of the acerbic 1960s comic Lenny Bruce, whose groundbreaking no-holds-barred style and social commentary was often deemed by an establishment as too obscene for the public. Uh, this is every Bob Fosse movie is an autobiography in some way. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh it feels, yes, beautifully quote. And it feels like the um his entire career is about this kind of like like ex both external and self persecution. And so this feels like a great subject for him in Lenny Bruce. Um, it's stars Dustin Hoffman who does a terrific performance in this, and it's a famous movie. I guess you know, Lex, you're actually a comedian, so I should ask you firstly. Tell us a little bit about Lenny Bruce and then tell me about Hoffman's performance as Lenny Bruce, because I, mm. I've heard many things, many comedians, just in passing, you listen to comedy podcasts, people go, they talk about comedy movies. They're like, oh, who was good? What movie was good? And uh, people always talk about this movie. There are lots of opinions. Not all of them are great, but can you tell me about A, Lenny Bruce for the listeners and B, what you think of Dustin Hoffman? I love this movie, firstly. I love Dustin Hoffman's performance as Lenny Bruce. I'm a big Bob Fosse fan, and this was the first Bob Fosse film I saw back in the day. I, really? I actually, yeah, I bought this DVD from like a garage sale when I was like 15 years old. I don't know, even know how. Me. I'm like, yeah, I don't like, know. Because your peak, like, you and I talk about peak video store era, mm -hmm. but like all that jazz feels like a movie that everyone has at home on DVD even mm. if they don't even own a DVD player anymore. So like, it mm. shocks me that like Lenny was the one. Lenny was the one. I don't even really know why. I think I was a Dustin Hoffman guy and I saw it at a garage sale. Oh, I'm going to get enough. that. Fair enough. 
And um, obviously, I was interested in comedy growing up. And Lenny Bruce is, I, he's a maverick comedian, extremely important to the, the history of comedy uh, and censorship and it, comedy's relationship to censorship. I've, he's hard to find stuff from him. Like, so that's why Lenny's kind of an yeah. essential movie because you're like, okay, it's a great way to see and experience Lenny Bruce. Literally until this. like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm. Not many people had even encountered much of the persona of Lenny time. Bruce. Like for, not for a long decades, time, decades. Yeah. And there's a character in Mad Men that's also kind of based on Lenny Bruce and stuff like that. Um, and also, you know, the all that jazz is about the making of this movie, which is so interesting. Like you see <laughs> yes. him editing a version of Lenny with another actor playing Lenny. Um, and I will say this, important comedian, I think he must be one of the worst. Like I, I think <laughs> like he is worse than Rupert Pupkin, I would say, Lenny Bruce. <laughs> I just I I I I I have, culturally I understand that's important, but I've never been able to understand why. Like, cause I'm like, I can't imagine are you watching this laughing when you're in the 1960s <laughs> or whatever. Are you laughing <laughs> hearing this shit, or is just going like, oh, interesting. Someone's saying something that's interesting. So, you know, I don't even know if it's controversial. The to, Vox to have spot that from opinion. Lenny Bruce. Someone going, oh, someone's saying something interesting. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Great review. Yeah, like, Great review. I don't know, man. It's just like obviously it's not my bag. It's aged uh not so well. My friend Josh Earl has always said this thing that I've loved. I don't know if it's from him originally, but it's he's who I heard it from. That comedy ages like fruit and not wine. Yeah, and I think it really that does. Lenny Bruce, it's like to me, it's not even comedy. I'm like, what the f what is that? It's yes. like uh B poetry or something. I, having said that, Dustin Hoffman's amazing in this movie. I think it's a very good movie. Um, and this disc is loaded, loaded with some really interesting things in here, especially the editing of the film, I think is very interesting. Um, there's a uh, an interview with the editor, Alan Heim, which I cannot wait to watch. It's not on this disc, and it's never been included in anything because it was a, it's a special feature that was made for the Criterion release of All That Jazz by Matt wow. Zola Sites, but it wasn't on there. It's not on this either, um, but it's called Fosse Time. It's about the editing of Bob Fosse's movies. And it used to be on like Vimeo, but I think it's gone now. I know your friends with Matt Zola Sites. Can you ask him if he's got it and can send it to me? I'd love to see it again. <laughs> I am friends with Matt Zolzites and I will ask uh, next time and say, what happened to this? Why did it go away? Yeah. For some reason, it didn't make the release of the criterion of all that jazz, but um, seeing this have like a special feature also called Fossey time. It's made me want to revisit that, but it's impossible to find. Yeah. This is interesting. You had a chance to catch up with this one, didn't you? Yeah, I did. So, um, it was actually perfect timing because we love a, secondhand DVD at a garage sale, as you said, with Lenny. Um, I picked up the book Fosse after reading Sam Wasson's terrific novel, The Big Goodbye, which is all about sort of Chinatown, uh, the making of Chinatown in New Hollywood and, and the entire making of that movie. He's actually just done a recent Francis Ford Coppola book called The Path to Paradise. But he had a book on Fosse um, many years ago, back in 2013. I picked it up at a garage sale and I was reading it. And so when I saw that Lenny was coming out, I've been doing a Fosse revisit and I was going to just buy Lenny on, um, like, uh, 
on like iTunes or something like that because that's mm. the only way that I've been able to find it. But I checked it out again and yeah, I I mean, you're so right. There is actually all that jazz. There are flashes of Lenny in it um, about him making the movie. And I just, I just can't. Sam Watson's book so beautifully framed that like that whole thing of that quandary of Bob Fosse of like everything is about his kind of self or external persecution to his character, to his lifestyle, mm-hmm. to his creative process, to his everything. Um, which is why I think Roy Scheider's performance in all that jazz is maybe one of the 10 best performances ever. Um, it's mm-hmm. so unbelievable and, and, and just incredible. Um, and Lenny's terrific. I think Hoffman's good. I think his performance as a comedian, I'm not a comedian, so I can't say whether I think it's good, uh, as a comedian, like whether he's at, whether he could actually stand up in front of the crowds and make it funny, but you're so right. Like he's using age old material in a crowd of actors and he's not going to be funny, but his performance as the, the guy, the tortured soul, um, I think mm. is really terrific. And he's doing some of his best work in this part of the seventies. So like, it's definitely, it's not like a dip. It's not like a floor performance. It's just probably a smaller movie, but I, I said, you know, Bob Fosse, there's like four movies, as you said, you have to see them all. And this is incredible. Mm-hmm. And if you've never seen it, check it out. And it's definitely worth your investment for much less than like some of our bigger things we've been discussing. We're talking about these huge box sets. And if you can't afford it, it's totally understandable. And, you know, wait for a sale to see if you can get 50% off on one of those big boxes. But Lenny, it's going to be cheap for you to pick up. So if you've never seen mm-hmm. it before, definitely worth your investment. Yeah, and there's a special feature on here that I really want to see, which is just a documentary about Lenny Bruce. It's like a half-hour doco called Dead Neon, The Many Faces of Lenny Bruce on film. Uh, Yeah, very curious to dive into it. Uh, Lenny is a very, very good movie. Very, very good movie. Yeah, Uh, big recommend. It's a mammoth month, a mammoth month. We didn't even get a chance to get into everything. We made a heck of a dent into it all. I do think it's batch-worthy. I do think if you can get a big old discount on the batch... The Lumet box set, The Pawnbroker is one of the best films I've ever seen in my whole freaking life. Serpico is a long time one of my favorite films. One Eyed Jack's great film. Uh, if you're only going to get one box set, you have to go to Lumet box set. You but have to go to Lumet. You have to go so to Lumet. But Lex, as we've just discussed in this episode, that Brando film focus might be the best balanced film focus box we've ever seen. It's got the Tennessee Williams Brando. It's got his directorial debut and only film, One-Eyed Jacks, a classic, a Western classic, a flawed classic. And it has Bedtime Story with him playing Prince Ruprecht. And it has a Chaplin movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's this is Imprint 101. Like, it's mm. it's got the big stuff and it's got the weird curios. And it's like almost how could you resist? How could you yeah. resist? I don't know, man. It's tough because it's like for these ones, you're like, oh, I wish you could just break the box set up. Yeah, so you, you want to one eye jacks. He doesn't want one eye jacks, but then everything in there, it's it's a weird box set. You will have an interesting time with it. So, but, but I also, still I, give it a big wreck. I would just say to everyone, check it out, check imprint out because there are definitely some big imprint releases that are getting lovely little single disc reruns. So check out if there's some other things that you're checking out, anything that's hugely popular that they want to do that. I want to quickly talk to you, mate, because just before we wrap up the February batch has already been announced. The films are face to face from Ingmar Bergman, the dresser Mm -hmm. from 1983 mountains to the moon, a man in love. I'm not scared and children of heaven. Um, That one is coming out. We'll, we will cover that um, much later. So there's, 
Golden Globe and award winners there. There's, uh, you know, Ingmar Bergman. There's um, Palm Door winners. Um, there's first, um, uh, first on Blu-ray of all time, and and Iranian films. I think it may be the mm. first Iranian film from 1997, um, which got um, best foreign language film at the Academy Awards. So mm. I'm very excited to to go through and unpack those. So there's another massive batch, but we'll, we'll be on top of that one. Um, so, but was there anything else that you wanted to shout out Lex um, imprint related, any other disc related before we jump into some plugs and get out of here for this month? Yes. There is something in the March bundle from imprint films that it's been on my list for my whole life. I've <laughs> never had a chance to watch it. Um, it's a little movie called batteries, not included. included. I just, that's a movie that I've never had. I just don't know why I've never seen it. It's been maybe hard to find, but it's that kind of like Amblin-esque. Like it's, I mean, it is Amblin. It's it's executive producer, Steven Spielberg. I have always wanted to see it. It's Brad Bird co-wrote the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just that kind of stuff that every now and then. You're a huge Hume Cronin guy. Huge Hume Cronin. Oh, I've guy. always said that. I've always said I love Hume Cronin. <laughs> Do you know weirdly I did rewatch um Cocoon the other day that does feature. I watched Hume the Cronin Pelican. Br- I watched the Pelican Brief mm. the other day and that's Hume Cronin. <laughs> yeah, I and I had a great time rewatching Cocoon. Look uh, at that. Good look shit, man. Good shit. Well, so look, what about you? Anything you're really interested in? Uh look, I'm in the in the March batch. Um, no, I'm I'm. I've tried to stay away from March. I'm trying to stay. I'm trying to keep us. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep us on track. I'm trying to keep us on track to like, just get through February because mm-hmm. I just know. And we've, we, you know, we sometimes have a skinny about some things that are coming up on imprint that others don't get to know yet. And we're excited about it. So I'm like, I'm just going to motor through February and actually smash through that whole batch to get us into a good place um, for future imprint companions. So I'm, I'm not looking at March yet, but I am now chuckling at, Oh, like, Oh, okay, cool. There's, we've got some um, green ice, which I've never heard of before. A Ryan O'Neill, a Ryan O'Neill film. I'm like, Oh, a Sharon Stone movie, cold steel looks like a kind of like a neo-noir. Oh, I'm interested in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a couple in there, but I'm trying to stay away. I'm trying to stay away, Lex. Just to, I, I need to I need to do February 1st and then we can move on to March. I can't do both right now. Hey, there's one thing that you mentioned that I think I might give a little shout out to. The imprint reprints, the non-special editions that they release much later. I've just had a look and Drugstore Cowboy Standard Edition is out. Yep. Really loved that. I loved Black Sunday, which now has a standard edition. That was one that was like right up both your oh, and my huge, alley huge with movie. Bruce Dern and Robert Shaw. Directed by Conquest. John Frankenheimer, baby. Mr. Frankenheimer, of course, the director of Reindeer Games and many other great films. <laughs> uh, and also Dare the Locust from John Schlesinger is now a standard release. Oh. Um, all worth your time. Oh, Conquest of Space. I really like that too. Kind of like B space interesting fun oh and one last looking movie one last one the gambler with jimmy khan is getting its own standalone release so if you miss that bad boy get your hands on that only 24 bucks on their website right now you that's like the best 24 dollars you've ever spent 
Absolutely. Well, Blake, what have you got cooking up? You've got Midnight Run Through, I understand. Yeah, Midnight Run Through, great 12 part mini series, uh, collaboration with my friend Jen Johans from Watch with Jen. Um, you can listen to that show on One Heat Minute Productions feed or on the Watch with Jen feed. We'll just put it over both um, for 12 weeks. That'll go up. And immediately following that, a brand new mini series, uh, Too Many Minutes, a sneakers podcast uh, where hopefully going to have an amazing show for you with some incredible guests uh phil adam robinson is one of them uh we've already spoken to stephen tobolowski for another show so there'll be a little bit of stephen tobolowski on there i'm hoping to get a friend of one eight minute production donald logue back um who Ooh, plays the baby. scientist who invents uh the the microchip in that movie to come on and talk to me a little bit about that some other amazing guests um that i'm really looking forward to sharing uh with along the way um including a guest who's only ever been on one other podcast ever and is one of the most sought after film minds uh in, in the game and uh i'm a huge fan of hers and she's amazing and i will uh give you just a tease just say hers um and uh be very excited for her to join us on that show as well whoa okay interesting yeah so very excited what about you my friend what are you cooking up over there uh, Sunburn Screens, I'd love you to listen to it. It's my, it's my basically introductory podcast into Australian cinema, something to entice you to it's go great. a little bit deeper. I'm very proud of it. It's an audio kind of documentary experience. We look at Australian horror films in the 21st century. We look at Australian queer cinema. We look at Ozploitation with the master, Brian Trenchard-Smith. Oh, BTS, and baby. we also go into some great auteurs uh Gillian Armstrong upcoming episode Rolf Dahir upcoming episode and a couple more that I'm working on at the moment that Blake is privy to um which he might even appear on if we can Ooh, get it to happen yeah no, I would I mean, be very excited if we can get it to happen very excited too Guys, thank you so much for listening to the second in this latest batch of Imprint Companions. Um, you can find us in our own feed of Imprint Companion. Otherwise, you could be listening on the One Eight Minute Productions feed. Just keep um, subscribing here. You'll see them pop up when they pop up, as well as other physical media stuff that we do. Thanks to Imprint Films for always looking after Lex and I. We are such huge fans of everything they do. And uh, this has been like the most imprint of Imprint Films batches of all time, mm -hmm. filled with great unheralded classics and curios and everything so it's been awesome we're looking forward to everything they're going to be doing this year including imprint asia lex oh my god another bunch of stuff that we're going to be covering super exciting but uh we can't wait to catch up with you guys soon so keep listening and uh if you ever want to hit us up one blake minute on all the socials this is alexi on all the socials for lex and uh we'll talk to you guys soon enjoy enjoy